Thank you for listening to this message from Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis, Oregon. You can learn more about our church at nwhills.com. Today, lead pastor Josh Karstensen continues a series called What is Going On, where we read the entire Bible in a year. Jude is the brother of James, and he's hearing reports of false doctrines. So, he writes this aggressively toned letter contending for faith in Jesus. Jude pushes us to ask ourselves, whose side are we on? Who are we fighting for? And who are we trusting in? It's a short but powerful letter. After the message and throughout the week, read the book of Jude. Also, check out nwhills.com hub, that's H-U-B, for additional resources like book overviews, reading plans, and application questions. Now, here's today's message. Man, welcome. Welcome to church. Like I said, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, I want to share just a couple things up front before we get into our text today. If you got a Bible, though, we're going to be in the book of Jude. It is almost to the very, very end. We got two weeks to go, which is awesome. Um, but as we're going, I want to say a couple things as we're looking into this next year. Uh, first of all, we, we as a staff team and we as an elder team, uh, we try to plan kind of our calendar year, which starts September and it goes through August. So we're finishing out a ministry year. And I know there's really no stops and starts because Sunday happens every single week and uh, we never stop ministering and caring for each other. But we do kind of uh, plan our calendars this way. And so Man, I would, I would just ask and invite you to be praying with us uh, as we have done our best to come before the Lord and say, God, what do you want for our church this next year? Um, God, where, where are you going? Because we have certain ideas of what we think would be good and right. God, but you know what we don't and you see what we can't. And so I'm just asking you, uh, in some ways begging you to be praying with us for this next year as we start a whole new kind of theme starting in a couple of weeks um, we've uh, had this theme for about four or five months now, I think, but uh, uh, really kind of solidifying everything and planning out all the dates and all the things. And uh, there will be something uh, to be said next year, and I, I look forward to that. And uh, as we are doing all that planning, too, I just wanted to give a huge thanks from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of our elders' heart and our, our lead staff team. Man, thank you for financially partnering us with, with us this last year. Um, we are going to end this fiscal year somewhere north of, a, I think, around 140000 more than we thought we'd get this year, which is just awesome. Um, and what that, what that does for us is that gives us a ton of freedom to say, God, what, what can we do next year? Uh, how can we be more effective in ministry? Uh, how can we care for more people? How can more people uh, hear the truth of the gospel in a world that really needs it? And so we've been able to dream a little bit about that as an elder team, as we're looking at budget and saying, hey, next year, uh, how can we push things down the road a little bit further? And man, that, that happens because of the generosity of all of us. So thank you, a huge thank you. Um, as far as elders too, another thing, um, if you are a member you actually, I think everyone saw this in our Friday Focus, uh, our associate pastor, Ron King, who is currently teaching our membership class, uh, he is uh, going to become an elder with us. And so we're in the middle of a confirmation poll. Uh, if you uh, have any questions about Ron becoming an elder, if you want to talk to anyone about that, you got about a week windows worth of time left. Um, otherwise, we just ask that you'd fill out that confirmation poll and you would affirm him to join us on that team. And, and if you're wondering, like, how oh, that seems weird, I thought uh, elders were unpaid. Uh, six, five of our elders are unpaid. I'm 
the only current paid elder uh, as a staff person, and then Ron would be that as well. And I mean, that's always been our hope. That's always been our desire uh, that he would join us. And we kind of gave him a year uh, to just kind of get his feet wet here at Northwest Hills. And then at the year one mark, I like doubled his job description and gave him a lot. And, and Sue's going, yeah, you did. That's cruel. And that's all right. A uh, little bait and switch. Um, if you... <laughs> Just joking, we're totally clear up front. If you, uh, if you didn't get an email for the confirmation poll, it's because we don't know that you're a member here. Um, and we have official membership. Uh, maybe you're off the email list for whatever reason. So if you didn't get one and you're like, huh, I thought I was a member, I would quickly run right now to our membership class that's happening. Um, no, I'm joking. Uh, just come talk to me. Talk to, uh, talk to Ron. Talk to any of our office people. Uh, and we'll make sure that uh, if something's missing, we'll get you signed up for that. Um, but yeah, just be praying. And, and we're going to pray here in just a minute for our next year. We, um, our theme into next year uh, is something to say. Uh, we're talking about testimony. And this year, we, we looked at how God's story from beginning to end uh, has shaped history. And, and this next year, we're going to look at how God's story continues in us. How like God has a story through Tara, right? Uh, Gary's wife, and she has something to say through her story. And, and God has something to say through Robert, and he has something to say through every one of us because his story is not done. And his story is told through our lives being transformed by God doing something in us. And so uh, every single one of us here, uh, to the youngest person in the room, to the oldest person in the room, we have something to say. Uh, and we have something to say because we have a God who loves us and Jesus who changes us. And so we're going to be doing a different testimony every single week next year. And I don't want to give you too much of a, a heads up, but there's a, a lot to be praying into there. And, uh, and for the month of September, we're going to be in a, a bit of a vision series uh, talking about who we are as a church. You know, uh, James, the guy who was just up here, he talked a little bit about uh, our vision. And so we're going to dive into kind of the deep end of why we do the things that we do and why we don't do some of the things that we don't do and what that looks like. And then come October, we're going to do a deep dive into one person's life. We're going to look at the life of David. And we've got some super cool journals to go along with that. Um, we got the first printed copy, I think, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Carissa and team have spent a lot of effort on that. And a lot of you guys have contributed to a lot of the artwork in there, which is kind of fun. This is kind of a new thing that we've done. And uh, there's a lot of symbolism in the artwork, which some of it's explained in that. So thank you, those of you who uh, made some effort into that, into some different pieces in David's life. And Man, a, a lot to look forward to in the fall. So I'm going to just ask that we would take a minute here, just in your seat where you are, just, let, let's just pray together for this next year. Um, we got, again, we got this week, Jude, uh, next week, Gary will be crossing the finish line in the book of Revelation, our youth pastor. And then um, we're kind of doing a bit of a soft launch because uh, we've got our, our big men's retreat first week and, and a lot of students don't get back until the end of September, but a lot to kind of look forward to into next year. So would you just pray with me as we're preparing? Ah, Lord, man, we thank you for your generosity to our church, um, starting all the way in the beginning of creation where you said, man, I, I want people to exist and I want them to know me. God, and so many people in this room have had the opportunity and the privilege of knowing you and Man, that really does change how we live. It gives me not only an understanding for today, but it gives me a hope for tomorrow. No matter how hard today is or how good today is, God, I don't live just for today. We live for something bigger. And, and through the way that we live, Lord, we, we all have stories to share. And next year, as we're, we're kind of moving into a new uh, theme for ministry, I, I pray that you would be helping us to understand what story it is that you're working through us. 
and that we would get good at sharing that story. God, that we'd get good at being able to say, hey, I, I, I have Jesus. Jesus did something in my life. And man, look, what, look how my life has changed. Look at how I've been able to live differently. Look at what God has done through me. God, I pray that um, through this next year, more people would hear the truth of who you are. God, again, thank you for your generosity and thank you for the generosity of this church that we are um, going to be some almost, I think, 15% ahead of financially where we thought we would be at this time. And man, that just gives us a ton of opportunity. And God, we don't want to squander that opportunity. We don't want to be the church uh, that buries our treasure in a field. God, we want to put it to great return. And so help us to understand where the best returns are going to be this next year. And, and as we have some ideas, God, continue to give us wisdom and insight into how to use your treasure, uh, how to use finances to create a better treasure in the kingdom here. God, I thank you for the number of people who partner with us and make this a reality. Jesus, as we're finishing out uh, your entire story, as we're finishing out Jude and Revelation, help us to finish strong. God, thank you for all the people who have partnered with us, who have read from beginning to end um, your word. God, and in a world where we're constantly asking what is going on, your word tells us this is what's going on and this is how to go on. Man, Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this moment and this day. It's in your name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. So um, as we've been going through the Bible this year, uh, about a book a week, if you're new with us, we're doing one book a week through the Bible. Uh, There's obviously a lot of themes that we see throughout the whole Bible. Uh, One of the themes that we see that happened very early on, in in fact, with the very first couple, uh, and carrying all the way through the Bible, is there is a very regular theme of people knowing what they should do and then saying, no, thank you, I'm going to do what I want to do, right? Which is really confusing in a lot of ways. It's frustrating. Uh, it, it helps us make sense of our own lives. But we see this really early on, right? So you get the very first couple. You get Adam and Eve, and God gives them everything, right? I mean, he gives them everything. The whole garden, unlimited access to himself. You've got a, a husband and a wife. You've got animals. You've got the most beautiful garden. Uh, and, and God says, you can do anything that you want. It's all yours. It's a gift. And he wants them to work, work the land, like name the animals. I've got a job for you. So you're not bored. Like I have something for you to do and I'm giving you everything in such a way that they are absolutely, utterly destroyed from the face of the earth. Nowhere to be seen again. The 10 lost tribes, 10 of the 12, the vast majority of this nation of Israel is gone forever. And then you've got a small remnant left. Uh, You've got two tribes in the south in Jerusalem, and about 150 years after the north is destroyed, they're destroyed as well. Right? You've got an 18-month siege. We talked about that around Christmas time. Right? Where essentially Babylon encircles the city of Jerusalem and basically starves the city to death. And whatever few people were left, they were taken into exile in Babylon. And there's a shadow of what once was this great city and no longer a temple, no longer sacrifice. And you've got the same story happening in heaven, right? The same story where Satan and and what were angels uh, rebel against God. And God says, okay, you're no longer welcome here. I'm banishing you some to eternal chains, right? But then the vast majority of them, they're banished to a little place that we like to call home. Right, a little place called Earth, where now Satan rules and has dominion here, along with a third of the angels, those who were not bound in eternal chains. Right? Devastating consequences for them who left heaven and for us who have to live in the middle of all this chaos. 
right? And so every single time we do not do what God commands us to do, the consequence is devastating. Uh, life does not go well for us when we do not live the way God calls us to live, right? And that's true for us today as it was true for the people of Scripture thousands of years uh, in the making, right? And so we look around today and we see, hey, what happens to a culture and what happens to a society and what happens to a family and what happens to a relationship and what happens to an individual when I don't live how God wants me to? Everything falls apart. Right? And it may not be obvious. Right? We may look at other people and we may say, man, it doesn't seem like your life's falling apart because you got a pretty decent job. Your family looks okay. Right? You seem like you're thriving. You did four vacations last year. You got a nice house and a nice car. Not everything's falling apart, but I promise you, because I've talked to a thousand people in this role, if you do not know the God who created you, your insides are falling apart, whether the outsides look like it or not. Right? And maybe even on your insides, you're feeling okay because you can kind of subvert all these feelings. But I'm telling you, maybe it's not on this side of heaven, but on the next side of heaven, things will really fall apart. Right? So when we do not love and follow God like we ought to, life does not go well for us. Today, as we open the book of Jude, we're going to see a story um, of the brother of Jesus contending for faith. He's going to write to a a group of churches uh, who are not loving God like they ought to. They're not following him like they ought to. And Jude, from the bottom of his heart, in probably one of the most contentious books that we will read in all of Scripture, is going to say, hello, what in the world is going on in your church? What are you doing? What are you putting up with? What is happening? How do you get to this spot? How do you do this? How do you walk away from the God who saved? How do you walk away from my brother, Jesus, who died, who rose again? He's got a very contentious, very aggressive tone to say, stop spreading fake news about Christianity. He goes on to say, if you do, this is what you are. He says, you are a shepherd who feeds yourself. You only care about yourself and you don't care about the people you're supposed to take care of. He says, you're waterless clouds swept along by the winds. Now think about that imagery in the Middle East, waterless clouds. Like that's a lot of hope. That's a lot of anticipation with not a lot of results, right? You see a cloud and you're like, okay, maybe we're going to get some rain and absolutely no rain. He calls them fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. Right? If it's late autumn and you don't have any fruit on your tree, what was all that effort for? Right, all the tending in the in the orchard, all the watering, all the thing, and there's no fruit. And he says, That's you if you're preaching false Christianity. Verse 13, he says, Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Man, if if you're making up truths about who you think God is, and that's not grounded in the truth of who God has said he is, this is who you are. And so in order to get a full picture of what's going on here, we're going to do something that I have wanted to do all year. Um, I have not done it. I think we did it one other time, but we're going to read the entire letter. Um, it's not very long. I think it's 25 verses. So I'm going to ask that you would stand. Uh, the, the verses will be up here. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to read it from your Bible. And, and here's, <clears throat> here's why. I think it's really helpful for us to get familiar with our Bibles because it helps us to remember the things that we've read. Because how many of you, after reading something, you can remember, okay, I think it's on that page, it's in this section, it's right here, I've highlighted it, I've underlined it, and yeah, I think it says this. It's helpful in that. 
So here we go. We are going to read the entirety of the book of Jude. Jude, <clears throat> sorry, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James. To those who are called, beloved in God, the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not stay within their own positions of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under the gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet, in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroying by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's heir and perished in Korah's rebellion. They are hidden reefs at your love feasts, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up from the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds and ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouthed boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, they said to you, in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
You can take a seat. We did it. I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Part of me just wants to sit down. I'm like, <laughs> you, you think about how letters were received and, and someone came up and, and, you know, most likely in smaller house church settings, someone read and, and they discussed, certainly they discussed, but sometimes it, it feels intimidating to have the brother of Jesus say something and then I got to follow that up, right? It just seems silly. So um, as we read, he, he starts out and he says, hey, I, I wanted to write you something nice. He says, I wanted to write you about our common salvation. It's kind of this idea of like, hey, I, I wanted to write you like a, a nice Christmas card, perhaps a birthday card, you know, how are your kids doing? How's the weather? Praise God that we have this salvation. It's all kind of like formal niceties is the desire. But he says, I, I can't. I can't just write you something nice because there's a problem in your church. And so, so I got I to gotta write you something more significant than that. And he says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith because what in the world is going on in your church? What is happening? I, I, I'm hearing stories. I'm hearing reports. I've got people who are visiting and they're saying that you're putting up with all kinds of false doctrines. You've got people saying all kinds of things that are not true about my brother. And if someone's saying things that aren't true about my brother, we've got a problem, not just because you're talking lies about my brother, but because the implication is not for just this side of eternity, but it's for all of eternity. Right? You think about it. Has anyone ever said a lie about someone in your family? Right? That kind of boils your blood. Right? You ever been there before? Maybe you're in elementary school, maybe you're in high school and you got a sibling and, and someone's speaking lies to them. Like you should, if you're a good sibling, stand up for your sibling, right? Yes. Okay. One person, Gary's got an older brother. Thank you. Okay. I promise you Gary would fight for his brother and vice versa. Right? But this isn't like uh, I'm fighting because there was a kind of rumor about who kissed who and who DM'd who and who likes who. Like this is significant. This is, this is Jude who, like his other brother James, did not believe that Jesus was God growing up with him. But once he saw the resurrected Jesus, his life was changed. And he knew from that point forward that this is significant, right? That this really is the God that our whole community has been waiting for for thousands of years. This is him. We don't want to miss this. We can't miss this. If we miss this, this is going to be a problem for a long time. Hence, the Jews still waiting for this person to return. Right? This is going to be problematic. And so he, he writes to this people. And he writes in a very black and white way. He, he writes in a way to, like, to like write a, a, a line in the sand. And he says, you're either on one side or you're on the other side. And he doesn't give a lot of options for in between. There, there's not a lot of like teetotaling, fence walking. He's like, you need to make a decision. What side are you going to be on? And in the letter that we just read he makes it very clear. There are two camps. And he spells it out with a lot of different comparisons, these two different camps. And, and he says that there are truth tellers and there are blasphemers. He says there's God and there's the devil. There are angels and there are demons. There's the church and there's the world. There are people who are led by the power of the Holy Spirit and there are people who are led by the flesh. There are saints. There are ungodly sinners. There is salvation there's condemnation. There are real Christians. There are fake Christians. There are those who love God, and, there, and then there are those who blaspheme God. And he writes and he says, what side of the fence are you on? What kind of church are you going to be? Are you going to be a church that contends for what's true, or are you going to be a church that puts up with all kinds of nonsense? This is a black and white 
world in some ways, but that's confusing to us because we live in a lot of gray. Right? It's confusing for us, and it's hard for us to draw lines in the sand. It's hard for me to draw lines in the sand. But we get this moment where he says, no, 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 sometimes we have to. And sometimes we need to contend for what is true. And sometimes what is true is not very easily communicated. And sometimes people are against what is true because we've got this thing called the flesh and the devil. There's kind of three camps that are talked about in some ways. You, you got those who follow the spirit, those who follow the flesh, and those who are directly following the power of the evil one. And we've got to draw a line in the sand. He says, hey, here's what it's going to look like. You've got to make a decision. You're either going to follow God or you're going to follow those other two things. And he uses that little phrase there. I don't know if you picked up on it, and I, I, I said it a little differently in my intonation. He says, those, some people rely on their dreams. Some people rely on their own feelings. Some people rely on what they think feels right in the moment to decide what they're going to believe about who God is and, and what he's called us to do. And he says, no, 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 that's not who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't just let us decide for ourselves. Um, he's writing to a group of people who clearly were Hebrew, uh, this is absolutely a, a Hebrew church. He, he gives nine different references to Hebrew stories. I, I mentioned a lot of them in kind of the intro where we talked about what happens to people who do not follow the Lord, and, and we read that again. And so he's writing to people who are very familiar with the story of who God is. They're very familiar with the Old Testament. And he's writing to say, hey, remember what happens to those people when they didn't follow the Lord? It didn't end up well for them, for their city, for their nation. And guess what? You got to you got to make a decision today. And I'm going to say that's the same with us. we got to make a decision. Whose side are we on? And then the broader context of what are we fighting for? Right? Because in, in some ways, we, we don't like to talk about a kind of contentious faith, but in some ways, we got to fight for something. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. What does it look like to fight? So i got, I got kind of three questions for us today. What side are you on? What are you fighting for? And what are you trusting in? We're going to start with what side are you on? Let's go verse 4. I mentioned it. I'm going to say it again. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Whose side are you on? Um, Keep in mind, he's writing to a church. He's not writing to a city. He's not writing to a university. He's not writing to a workplace. He's not even writing to a family. He's writing to a group of people who are gathering in a church, and he's saying, in your current gathering, there are some people who do not love the real Jesus, right? Which is really unsettling for me, right? Because I'm, I'm like super optimist person. Like I love greeting and meeting and talking to people. And I'd like to believe that every hand that I shook coming on in here has a heart for Jesus that truly wants to follow the one true God. But the reminder here is, no, a lot of us have a bent towards not wanting to submit to King Jesus, and we have a bent towards wanting to submit to King myself. And he says, that's happening in the church. And we got to ask ourselves, who are we submitting to? Right? And this submission happens on a daily level. It happens on a weekly level. I think that's one of the greatest things about coming to church every week is it's kind of a, a rechecking our world. Who am I submitting myself to? Right? Who am I living for? Am I living for the pleasures of myself or am I living for a king that's greater than me? And so Jude's going to say, you got to make a decision. And I'm going to repeat that. 
What decision are we making? Because everyone makes a decision. Sometimes it's not a conscious decision that we make out loud, but every one of us make a decision because that line in the sand has been drawn. Whose kingdom are you a part of? And Jude's going to say, you got to choose. And we got to fight, and we got to contend, and we got to recognize that there is a battle. That battle is in the flesh of men. That battle is in externally in Satan. But we got to fight to make sure that we are on the right side with the real Jesus. And what this looked like in this church particularly, most people believe that what this looked like is people were saying, um, I'll take the salvation of Jesus without making him my Lord. Right? And what that means is like, uh, thank you, God, for saving me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for the get out of hell free card. Now I'm going to live however I want. Right? And so what that looks like today for us is, you know, earlier James was up here and he was giving the announcements and he's talking about our vision. And our vision is to love Jesus and to live like him and make him known. And, and yes, we want to love Jesus. Absolutely. That's the first step of, of being saved, of submitting our lives to him and saying, yeah, thank you for your death on the cross. But then being a follower of Jesus is so much more than just saying, thank you for that salvation. It's now I'm going to give my life to serve you. And I'm going to give this week to serve you. And I'm going to give this day to serve you. I'm going to give this hour to serve you. Right? And, and so it, it's not that we get to just choose, am I going to be saved by just saying a sinner's prayer, or am I going to give my life to him? If you're really saved, you will give your life to him. And this is what Jude is writing to. He's saying, you don't just get to say, thank you for salvation, but it takes a life of following him. What side are you on? If you're on um, the side with the Lord, you're going to fight for him. Question number two, what are you fighting for? And we don't like to talk about fighting uh, unless you're around a bunch of dudes, in which case we love talking about fighting. <laughs> this is not my notes. I'm just thinking about this, like my bachelor party. What do we do at my bachelor party? We just fought the whole time. It's just like Greco-Roman wrestling. Or like you think about uh, our men's event. And, and I know what happened at the men's event won't be said outside of the men's event, but there may have been some wrestling going on. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's a thing. Um, I've, I, I don't personally know what it's like because I don't have boys. I have three daughters, um, but I've been in homes with boys, and it just feels like it's always wrestling. We're just always fighting, um, and that's okay. Uh, we got to fight for something. Uh, we're going to talk about what are we fighting for, and I want to talk about two things. We've got to fight to know truth, and then we've got to fight to teach truth. And again, we're, we're talking in the church context primarily, and that bleeds out into the world. But he's writing to the church, so I'm going to start here. So fight to know truth. Let's be honest. We're living in, in a, a hard time to always know what's true. It's hard. Uh, it's hard as a parent. It's, it's really hard as a parent. I'm um, trying to figure out like, okay, what, what's being taught? How do I teach my kid appropriately? How do I discern what's being taught? How do I discern like what's over-sensationalized and what's actually happening? Right? It's hard to know what's true uh, in the world as an adult. Right? It's like whatever news source you're reading, you, you know that like, it's being like, hand-chosen to be selected to you and all the things that you read. You're, like, you know, you're, you're watching debates and you're hearing things. You're like, I don't believe any of what I'm hearing, which doesn't help anything in my life. And, and it creates kind of just a calloused overall, I don't know what I can believe about anything, so I don't really care and I'm just going to live my life. Right? That's just kind of like, that's just kind of the natural bent towards a lot of people. And Jude's going to say, no, 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 you, you got to know what's true. You can't just kind of put your head in the sand and, and enjoy your life. Like, you got to contend for what's right. And so that starts with having an authority somewhere. 
right? And as believers, we know that that authority comes from the Word of God, which is why our whole theme for this entire year, what's going on, uh, how do we make sense of the world around us? We've said this is why we're going through the whole book to give us a ground to stand on, to give us a sense of authority, to help us make sense of the world that we're living in. So you've got to start there. And so, man, for those of you who've made the effort to read this whole year, man, praise God. Right? You've got a sense of authority. You're, you're instilling in yourselves truths that will help form the way that we live. Right? I, I would encourage the, all of us, like, continue that pursuit of knowing what's true. And, and that happens through the Word. It happens in other ways. Like, be a learner, right? As Christians, we always want to be a learner, right? We want to li- read books. We want to listen to podcasts. We want to talk to people who know more about things than we do, right? We want to be a people who fight to know what's true. And then we want to be a church that teaches what's true. Man, this is, um, this is something that as time continues to go on, I, I find more and more important um, that we do need to ma- make hard stands on things. And, and in a world that's um, promulgating ideas that quite frankly are really harmful, the church needs to be a voice that says, no, this is wrong and it's harmful and this is good and this is right. right? And again, it, it happens in the church first and then it bleeds out when helpful and appropriate into our world. I got a list that I've compiled, um, 17 things. 17 lies that I think the church needs to stand against. Um, I'm just going to briefly mention some of these. Um, some of these we, we come across very regularly. Uh, some of these on occasion. Some of these maybe you haven't personally come across, but um, they're truths that the church needs to stand against. Some of the truths are obvious. Uh, you know, I'm not going to stand up here and say, yeah, we need to fight against lying and we need to fight against stealing and we need to fight against being harsh, like obviously. Uh, but some of these truths I, I think are, are masked in our culture and they're being told these are actually good and these are helpful and these are true. And as a church, we want to recognize lies and we want to say, no, 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 we got to be built on something Uh, that's firm and that's real. And if Jude's going to call out sin, I think we need to call out sin too. 17, I'm just going to rail some of these off here. The first one is uh, you got to find your own truth, right? That's a ridiculous statement on every level, right? It's contradictory from the beginning. Um, It cannot in and of itself be a true statement that you have to find your own truth, right? So I'll just let you chew on that one. Uh, number two, marriage is whatever I want it to be. Uh, perhaps I think this is one of the greatest harms to our current culture right now because with the breakdown of marriage comes the breakdown of family. And with the breaking down of family comes the breaking down of all sense of stability for most people. Right? And, and this bleeds out into everyone, into, into schools, into relationships, into friendships, um, over and over. And if, if you say marriage is whatever you want it to be and you get away from how God designed marriage to be, Again, things will fall apart, and we are reaping that right now. Number three, uh, gender is something that we can change. Um, that's a lie from the pit of hell, and that is harming so many people right now. Um, it's a lie that our culture says is good, uh, and, and people are chasing that lie, and, and when they're kind of getting to where they thought they wanted, it's not what they thought it was, and it's really harmful. And after talking to a number of people who are walking through that or struggling through that, I'm, I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. 
and that is harmful, and we as a church need to have a strong stance against that. Now, we need to love everyone who's struggling through that, absolutely. We're talking about ideas. I'm not talking about individual people here. We need to love every person who's struggling through anything, but as a church, we need to say, that is harmful, and that is a lie. Continuing on with that, mutilating a child's reproductive organs is a loving way to affirm their gender. Right? That is child sacrifice. Right? It, it may not be to Molech, right? the God that in the Old Testament kids would sacrifice to, or adults would sacrifice their children to, but it is to the God of progress nonetheless. And it is painful, and it is wrong, and the church should stand against that. Absolutely, that is wrong. We'll get a little lighter here. Finding the perfect spouse or job will give you ultimate meaning and happiness. Right? We, we live in a, a world that says, hey, if you just find that one person or if you just find that fulfilling job, everything will be great. Now is the time to look at your partner and say, everything is great with you, honey. <laughs> right? Like, enjoy that. Or to be honest and to repeat what I just said. <laughs> right? That's real too. Right? That's a lie. That's a lie that culture lives in. It's a lie that like, hey, if I can just find that one thing, then I will have made it. Yeah, talk to anyone who's been there. It's not true. Uh, your life is an individual journey. That's a lie. Life is not an individual journey. We were created to belong to one another. We were created to be connected to one another. You are not supposed to be alone, right? When, when Melissa's up here and she's saying, man, we're in an isolated community, that's really hard, right? That is a huge challenge, which is why we're praying that, man, God, would you bring someone into their life to do life with them, to love them, to be a, a lone ranger, Man, that, that's a challenge, and that's a unique call that God sends for a time and a season to go to a place that's unreached. But that's not how we're supposed to live uh, in, in a Christian church, in an area that has a church, right? We're not to be a lone ranger. Uh, number seven, your feelings about yourself define who you are. Well, that's, that's so not true. Uh, I got feelings about myself all the time. Usually like, man, you're amazing. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> um, but let's be honest, like most of us, like we have these feelings of either we're like way too awesome or we're way terrible. Right? Half of us wake up when we look in the mirror like, man, I wish the world was more like me. And half of us wake up and we're like, man, I wish I was more like other people. And our feelings about us don't define who we are. Like our position as sons and daughters of the king to find who we are. And we as a church, we need to stand against that lie. Uh, number eight, theology is less important than community. Um, I think sometimes in the church, maybe we can err on the side of saying, you know what matters is that you're just loved, you're known, you have friends, and what you believe about God isn't really that important so long as you're connected to other people. Um, community is really important. It's absolutely important. Right? We've got to be connected to one another. We have to know one another. But we've got to know God too. Right? Like, and yes, God, God works through our relationships, but we've got to know who he is. And so we've got to open up our Bibles. Occasionally, you've got to open up your systematic theology. Right? You've got to read. You've got to listen to podcasts. You've you got to know who God is. Theology is important. It's super important. Oh, how about this one? Um, beauty... Uh, wealth, no, beautiful, wealthy, smart, and successful people are far more valuable than those who aren't. 
Um, that's a message that our culture has been sharing for a long time. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that, right? And here's how I know this is true. It's easy to find yourself kind of attracted towards people who are doing well, right? And, and here's why. When we have friends who are doing well, we feel better about ourselves, right? And ultimately, um, we live in this world that, that says the lie that, oh, if you reach this status, if you are this beautiful, if you are this smart, if you have this many uh, whatever letters behind your name, you have arrived, you've made it, you are worth something that someone who hasn't isn't. That's a lie from the pit of hell, right? If you're here today and you never went to college, and you've never been able to hold down a steady job, and, and your marriages have fallen apart, like you are equally as valuable as like the greatest of greatest whoever, right? The church is a place where everyone is equal before the Lord. Baseball. <laughs> Maybe I should throw one in here. Sports is not God. <laughs> That'll preach in this community. Um, even worse, kids' sports. Good night. Oh. Uh, number 10. Oh, we're cruising here. Number 10. Uh, all people are basically good. That's a lie. We'll just move on. Uh, uh, hell doesn't exist, and all people will eventually be with God forever. Um, uh, hell is real. Uh, it, it's separation from God forever. Right? And is that cruel? Is it cruel that God says, hey, if you don't want me now, I'll let you have forever without me? It just seems like that's just to me. Uh, hell is real. Um, I'm going to just keep rolling here. How about this? If you aren't busy, you're lazy. Uh, that's a lie. How about maybe you're contemplative, and maybe you're methodical, and maybe you're thoughtful, and maybe you should take a Sabbath? Right? The church should be a place that balances, like, I want to work really hard, and I want to rest really hard. Right? And, and most of us, like, we're good at one and not great at the other, but we've got to find that balance somewhere. Um, how about this? Abortion doesn't kill an actual human being just a fetus. That's a lie. Right? I, <laughs> I was watching a comedian the other day, it was a little YouTube clip, and I, th- I think this is fair to share. He's talking about, uh, he's like, I went into the kitchen and I, I opened up the oven and I grabbed the pie that my wife was making and I threw it on the ground and she got really upset. And I said, well, it's not a pie yet. It's not done. And he said, that, that's the logic of this world that we're living in. Just because it's not fully cooked doesn't mean it's not real. Right? Man, that's a tragedy. Um, we'll just end with this. I know I cut a few of them out, but that's okay. Um, God just wants you to be happy and healthy, right? You hear this from, uh, from parents a lot about the kids. I just want them to be happy. Like, really? What if their happiness is leading to their damnation? Like, is that really what you want? Like, how about, man, I just want them to love the Lord. And in, in loving of the Lord, like, I want them to know who they are. And I want them to know that they, they have an imprint of, of God's nature in them. And I want them to awaken to that imprint, and I want them to walk in who God created them to be, right? Life is not just about us being happy and healthy, right? In fact, some of the most God-fearing people I know are anything but healthy, and they love the Lord dearly. All those things I read, um, those are lies that, if we're not careful in the church, we can believe in. 
and as Jude's going to say, we've got to contend for what's true. Uh, we need to be a church that stands up and says, hey, there are things that are harmful to our people, and, and we've got to draw a line in the sand, and we've got to sometimes say, hey, this is going to cause serious pain because it's not what God has for us. And those are hard conversations. They're awkward. Uh, they're very countercultural, but they're right and they're good. Lastly, we'll end with some happiness um, and some hope because Jude does, and he ends with this beautiful benediction, and I hope you picked it up. Um, he ends with this, and we'll go in verse 17. He says, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. And this is where just the tone is so set. He goes from absolutely combative to absolutely loving waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. Right? So, so he's writing to a church, and the church has division, and there's people saying God is whoever they want to be, and he's saying, hey, have mercy on these people. It's like these people are confused. Like, you've got to teach what's right. You've got to teach what's true. But have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. He ends with this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, authority before all time, now and forever. He ends with four charges. He says, be a people who pray, be a people who wait on the mercy of God, have mercy on those who doubt, and keep yourself in the love of God. Uh, we're going to end here in a time of prayer, and, and I'm going to ask you to pray um, with me. Um, I'm not going to pray out loud for a while, but I want you to pray that we would be a church that in a culture of a lot of lies would stand for what's true. Um, and that's not always easy. That's not always easy. I pray that we'd be a church that would have mercy on people, uh, that would be a kind church, uh, that would be kind to people who are like us and who are not like us. I pray that we would be a people who keep ourselves in the love of God. So I'm just going to ask you, would you pray with me while the band comes up here? I'll wrap it up here in a few minutes. To follow you and to say, this is life with me. I'm giving you unfettered freedom. I'm just asking for obedience. Yet we see the bent in humanity. And we see so often, we say, no, I'm going to just do it my way. And we see the harm that it causes. Uh, we see the destruction. We see the separation. We see the chaos. We see the pain. God, and we live that out today. From that first story all the way through, that story continues. And, and Jude sees the story, and he sees people saying, God is whoever we want him to be. And we make up our own versions of who God is. And we say, well, God is okay with that, and he wants this, and he just wants this for me. And how many times this last four or five months um, in the New Testament we've seen people writing and saying, no, you've got the wrong Jesus. You've got the wrong truth. And Jude, the brother of Jesus, is going to contend from the bottom of his heart and he's going to say, hold on to what's true. God, we want to be a church that holds on to what's true. We want to be a people who fight for what's true in a way that is helpful and good and resilient and brave. 
God, we do not want to be a weak people. We want to be a strong people who walk in the strength of who you are, that we are not a timid people afraid of what is out there and, God, what is in here, but we want to be a people of great courage who stand firm on what you have done and on who you are. And, God, in the standing firm of your nature and your character, God, we will be a resilient church who has something to say. God, who has a story that will compel, that will change the world because it points to you, Lord. God, give us a courage in a world that is anything but courageous for the right things. And give us a tenderness and a love and a mercy for the world. God, give us patience when we need patience. Give us endurance where we need endurance. Give us wisdom and strength. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening to today's teaching from Northwest Hills Community Church. We hope you find ways to apply the gospel to your life. And be sure to check out our website, nwhills.com, where you'll find ways to engage with us. And if you're able, we'd love to see you at church next Sunday. Thanks again for listening.